I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Leaving Hillsong. This is part two of a Pentecostal agenda. And last week, Fiona was talking a bit about domestic violence before we ended. And there's been a bit of feedback about trauma and how listening to this podcast in particular is bringing stuff up for people. So I talked to a lot of people with a lot of different kinds of trauma as a result and... I was wondering if people would be interested in having that discussion on the podcast or whether that would be too traumatic all over again. So what kind of things would you like to talk about? Please do let me know, either through a message or on Facebook or however. So this is a pretty frank discussion about that kind of a relationship. So please be aware that these things can be really stressful, even if you don't plan for it or you think everything's kind of going well. That trauma hits all of us at some point or another, so you're never alone. We're learning stuff here all the time, new stuff in different ways from different people, and it's it's been really good. And of course, if you want to come share your story, please get in contact too. If you want to appear on Leaving Hillsong, doors wide open, and you're free to discuss what you want to discuss. So let's pick up where we left off. I very much relate to people that have been in a domestic violence or abusive situation. Yeah, when they're in controlling, whether it's a controlling group or a controlling partner, the result is the same and the methods are the same. It's isolate. Yeah. yeah. It's strip down their self-esteem. It's cut them off from healthy relationships. You know, it's all of those things. The outside world. Give them yeah, a financial yeah. freedom. That, all these types Exhaust them, like you were saying. Keep us so busy that we're not able to do anything else. Yeah, you know, all these tactics are the same as what controlling partners use in, a, in those kind of relationships. Coercive control is the same, whether it's in a group or in a relationship. And yes. 
you know, people often say, oh, you know, I respect, say, for example, Scott Morrison's beliefs. He can believe whatever he wants privately. No, no, these groups, and I know from the inside, these groups, the Pentecostal movement is damaging thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, Tanya, as you know, I started a petition to stop Hillsong going into schools because they had announced they were going to do a national school tour. And I just thought, no, no, you can't go into public secular schools and start recruiting into these groups because it's it's just so dangerous. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's such an important point because... People think that these are, you know, some really good-looking, happy people. They seem to not have a whole lot of problems. They promote all this so-called community work that they do that, you know, they can't be harmful. They look fine. They're shiny. And, you know, if anything, you know, well, what kind of group doesn't have its problems is what we often hear. What you're talking about and what we find is they're actually quite damaging and quite harmful and they do need to be prevented from influencing as many people as possible. Mm. And not everybody is damaged. Not everybody, you know, has intensive trauma and there's loads of factors behind that. But for the people that are damaged, for the people that do experience the trauma, it's very severe. Yeah, and look, I think it depends how involved you get with the groups. Like some people have come in just attended at a basic kind of level and then left at the time that they felt to and maybe haven't experienced that but you know I think there's layers of commitment that you get into and the deeper you get into the commitment the more likely you are to have that trauma I mean the other the other side of it is just the financial like the whole prosperity message came sweeping through these churches I I think it was the early 90s Mm. and it was being preached at Hillsong every single meeting that you went to so I went to about six Hillsong conferences over that time Uh that I was in this group and every single meeting every single time there was a speaker always sending an offering bucket around always preaching for about 15 to 20 minutes just about giving money to the church and the message at the time was give 10 percent of your income and it's not not just your net income your gross income yes always the always yeah. the pre-tax always the so, first fruits you know if you weren't $70,000, but your take-home income was fifty-five. you still have to give 10%, which is 77000 of your income mm, a year. Mm. And then the message was also, that was just God's insurance. So that was just stopping the devil getting on your money and taking your money. But if you give above your 10%, then God starts to give you this kind of 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what you've given and blesses you supposedly with this prosperity, which so, as we... So God's got like bracket creep. Yeah, yeah. You you might only get thirty. You might get a hundred. Depends on your faith level and how much you believe God. So this is the message that was coming through Hillsong that then my pastor ran with, with all abandon. So you know, this is me when I wasn't earning, you know, big, you know, big money. I was in my twenties. I think over that time I gave thirty or forty thousand dollars. Um, yeah, in yeah those, probably more because that, that would have been my tithe. I would have given more than that. And the pastors would literally come up to me and say, we've just noticed this person in your cell group or your youth group hasn't tithed for a month. Um, you might have to, you might want to go and have a chat. And not only that, they, at the end of it, it came out that they were earning something like $120,000, $130,000 from a church of about 80 people. Yeah, and with the amount of with the size group that we were, and you know, and not only that, I mean that, that was all, that was tax free money. So that wasn't that was all whatever whatever you call it, of salary. Course. 
Valerie Sacrificed or whatever you call it because we're church tax-free status. Driving two cars that were leased, Sally Sacrificed, big house in Kew, which is a rich suburb in Melbourne. And everyone else, there was people in the church that couldn't pay their bills, that weren't able to eat properly during the week because they just kept giving money, giving money, giving money. And all we were doing was just giving money for their lifestyle. And we can see that out playing in Hillsong and churches like that where the pastors get really rich. But then the people that are serving them, strangely, they're not prospering so much. And where had you thought that money was going? I thought it was going into the operation of the church predominantly. That was your pastor from your small 30, 40 people group? Oh, totally. Typically an AOG pastor. Okay. And then... I don't even know. I didn't. I guess I didn't think about it. And it was kind of the thing that often happens. I have in revival centres and this group as well. Is if you ever ask to see the books, then you know that's real undermining of the. You know, it's it, that's a sackable offence. <laughs> so you just even though ask. they're completely open and transparent, completely but, ready, come and have a look anytime. Yeah, but say. if you asked, mate, it was it was. Um, <laughs> It, you know, that was a that was another session in the pastor's room with all the bullying and the, so, yeah, so I just, I, I never asked. I, I never asked. I knew that if you, if you asked that question, you were, you were dead meat. And when you say another session, I mean, that sounds. Well, the higher you got up, the more they happened. So. And what were the kinds of things they were saying to you? They will just constantly tell me that I, you know, that I had fallen away from God, that, that I was full of pride. You just those kind of things that maybe don't sound much when I'm saying them now, but when your belief system is that you are, that you, if you fall away from God, you're going to go to hell (laughs) Mm. or that other people that you're responsible for. So being in leadership, then that, then that, that guilt drive was even more intense because, you know, I'm leading dozens of people. And if I did something wrong, then they could all fall away. And they could all go to hell. And that would be my responsibility. Which is, it's, I mean, it's an incredible lot of stress for 20-something-year-old. Yeah, I was, 20, I was 28 when I left the group. What finally happened to... Well, probably for the last year or two, I was starting to cause trouble. So I was going up to people and going, something's not right. I was starting to see some of the same signs of the revival centers where we were all in this group and we had no contact with people outside okay. uh, we couldn't question anything without huge consequences uh, the money that we were giving was just becoming much more excessive and my pastor it was actually he ended up having an affair cliche but ended up having an affair with a 20 year old girl in the church so he was about 40 at the time and he was getting me to pastor her and mentor her, but to, to break up with her boyfriend. That's and, oh. <laughs> yeah. And so that he could move in. He ended up, I mean, he ended up in such a state of delusion where he he would he'd already been married before when he was because he was grew up in the revival centers as well. And his his dad was quite a high up pastor in the revival centers. So he was married to a woman there, divorced her, as a lot of people in revival centers did once they hit their mid-20s, and then met Angie. Her dad was also a pastor in the revival centers that she'd been kicked out. They got together. Now he was wanting to have an affair with this girl. So he believed that his first wife was Egypt, his second wife was the wilderness, and this third woman, young girl, was going to be the promised land. This is how crazy things were getting misogynist like that it, do you know what I mean it's all about some kind of biblical <laughs> superhero Charlton Heston and that yeah. <laughs> women women are vast stretches of land it's just 
Yeah, so it was crazy. And then, um, so I was starting to go around to people and starting to question. I was starting, my eyes were starting to open. And then uh, oh, what happened was the one of the Guglamuchis came to the church and was doing consultations as part of our mentoring kind of session. And we were all ready. There was a group of us leaders all ready to go and talk about what we were seeing and the problems that we were seeing happen. But Angie sat in every session, so we couldn't actually talk. But it came out that he was having an affair with this girl and then everything blew up overnight. And then it all came out about the finances, about this girl. And it probably took me a few months, but I, I basically went through a process after that. It was a very traumatic time because you know, I'd lost again my whole community of people, everything I'd believed for 28 years. You know, suddenly I was starting to realise, hang on a minute, maybe none of it's true. I then put everything on, you know, metaphorically kind of put everything on a table and thought I'm going to question everything I know. I'm not, I'm going to question. And I still thought I'd come out as a Christian at the end of that process. But as I went down the rabbit warren, just kept going, oh, hang on a minute, the Bible, oh my goodness. And then I'd explore how it was actually written, how it's translated. And I thought, man, that book's not even you know, it's a book written by men in a certain era. It's a historical text. And we're taught that it's literally the word of God. I could start to see the whole church system was corrupt right to the core. You know, I started Hillsong at the time was the church that was the most successful, amazing thing that we were all aspiring to be like. And I'm starting to see the teachings that corrupted us actually came directly from this church. The teachings that corrupted you. The teachers way. that corrupted our church, although I'd say oh, they're corrupt from the start, but the teachings right. that really made it unhealthy because of the, the prosperity doctrine that came through. But there was also a strong doctrine that came through that not to question leaders. That was being preached yeah. from Hillsong. So it, it the was... Touch not the Lord's anointed. That's right. So uh, all that sort of teaching... Yeah, I remember them saying there was someone that preached at a Hillsong conference that one of the just before everything sort of blew up, but they were saying, you, as a leader, you can't dump down. So if you're leading people, you can't talk to them about issues that you're having. You have to talk up. Sure. And I'm like, in my church, that the only way I could talk up was to David and Angie. So that, and that's where I was having the problem. So I couldn't talk yeah. up within that context. So yeah, then I, then I questioned everything. I hooked up with a girl within six weeks of leaving and I. <laughs> I Wonderful. just assumed that none of it was true. And there's a whole long story about how I escaped all of that too. So, Well, so was there a final day or did you just one day never go back or how did that work? Uh, there was probably, I was probably, I hung around for a few months just thinking maybe the church could be healthy now that they're gone. But I kept, I guess I by then I was really questioning, starting to talk. And I remember I only had one friend that I'd made outside of the church that whole 10 years years really That's and her incredible. name she was a youth leader at another church but one of those churches that had bikies cigarette breaks in the middle of church like totally <laughs> different kind of church and um, I rang her and I just said my church has fallen apart I really I don't even know what's up and down anymore and I, she said is there anything I can do for you and I, I said will you have a beer with me <laughs> <laughs> so we did we had a beer and then uh, she invited me out constantly to parties. I eventually moved into her house and became one of her flatmates and got a whole new group of friends. So that that was really important was having somewhere that I could connect to. That yeah, was, community. Yeah, yeah, I had a community to kind of go to that meant that I wasn't getting pulled back into the same direction I could look forward. Were they, I mean, were they pulling you back at all into that church? How much of a follow-up did you get when you stopped uh, going? 
the church that took over kind of the leadership was Berwood AOG. So Melinda Dwight uh, ran that church at the time. She's on the board of Hillsong now. She did a terrible job basically of <laughs> looking after us. She just went to Africa for six weeks. A couple months later, <laughs> we're all we're all you know wounded on the side of the road, and she's supposed to be leading us through this, and just left and went to Africa on some mission trip. And then she had a meeting with, uh, we had to have a meeting with the leadership team and David and Angie and decide about where the finances were going to go. And she basically said, we're going to offer David and Angie grace. And they gave, they let them off all their debts. And I was like, and then the church absorbed all their debts. And I was like, oh, it's not your grace to give. I don't know what this grace is that just sort of whitewashes everything when those are people's tithe. It should have gone back into somewhere else but yeah someone put on twitter recently i think it was bob cotton he put on twitter why does the church offer grace to the perpetrator and law to the victim like why are we giving them grace they're not and it, why is it not our choice they really close ranks when that happens and i don't know of a case where they've ever been any sort of misguided pastor has ever been held accountable and made to pay back or you know they just sort of go away for a while and I listened to a ABC Listen podcast recently on Earshot and they talked about people that had lost their religion but had felt the hole in their life afterwards, which I guess I didn't I didn't have to that extent because I was so excited to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. It was like this whole big, beautiful world to explore. But mm. um, because I had a great group of friends almost instantly, that really helped. But basically he was saying that legally there's a – you know, if you volunteer in a church, it is a workplace. So you're covered by the same laws, actually. We should be covered by the same laws as a workplace. If you volunteer in any organisation, it's your workplace. It's considered to be a workplace. So if we're being bullied or, you know, there is coercive control or that kind of thing going on, there is channels to get protection and report and do that kind of thing that just wasn't around when I was doing, you know, when I was involved. How they manage that because that. The structure is so set up as punishment, reward, punishment. So just, yeah. just looking at what it was like for you afterwards, you talked about the big, beautiful world and not having that, that big hole that some people seem to experience. How long have you been out of the church now then, 16, 17 years? Yeah, so I'm 44 now. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be 16 years. Yeah, I left in May ninety. 2005. So, yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So, if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And what do you, initially when you left, it was exciting and it was, there were lots of novelties and you could drink more than one beer or I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, look, I did go the freedoms you quite typically have. down the road of sex, drugs, rock and roll because, you know, I can't, you, you, it's funny, it was like a delayed adolescence in a way. Yeah, a lot of people talk about that. Yeah. yeah it's like I was, I was kind of, you know, hitting my 30s but going through my adolescence. Yeah, but I remember it was funny because one thing that I held on to for quite a long time was growing up, I'd had these kind of experiences that I, you know, I would describe as spiritual experiences. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I pray, I would kind of have this, you know, tangible body experience where sometimes I couldn't move. Yeah, I was yeah. just so overtaken and I couldn't let go of that. That was the one thing. So once everything else had kind of stripped away, I was like, but I had these spiritual experiences. One thing I did when I left is I started smoking. It was kind of this outward way of going, I'm not part of you anymore. Yeah. I'm smoking. And, you know, seven years later or whatever, no one's looking. So, but I, here I am with an addiction. So <laughs> the reason I'm, tell, I'm telling you that is because then I went and got, after, after a few years, I wanted to get, uh, maybe not a few years, maybe two or three years, but I was heavily addicted. I wanted to get hypnotized someone said go and get hypnotized and see if so I did she went through the whole thing you know where I smoked and then did my hypnosis session and she started the session with you know you're a pebble falling in the pond you know blah 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 and then I literally felt like I was this pebble falling in a pond it was like I could really feel it and I was you know deeply hypnotized and it's such a if you've ever experienced it's quite a beautiful feeling and then she's like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, brings me back into the room. And apparently I looked quite shocked, like there was quite a look of shock on my face. And she said, what's going on? Are you, are you okay? And I said, oh, I've experienced this before. And she said, but you said you hadn't been hypnotized. And I said, no, this is what I used to experience when I prayed, That's- when I was in meetings at uh-huh. church, when the music and the worshipping and the preaching, these are the spiritual experiences I had. And I thought, that's where everything fully unraveled for me because it was like someone who so knew how to so alter the state of my so mind. Interesting. Yeah, gave me the same experience as someone gave me when I was at church. When we were, I would describe it as some kind of group trance. Now, did you used to get slain in the spirit? Yeah. So, and I'd have real experiences, but I now yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if that's but that the was same the same as, well. as when yeah. I got hypnotized. It was the same kind of you know out of body. Yeah, experience where you can't move. I genuinely think what we're going through in those meetings and particularly the way they use music in Pentecostal churches particularly, I think it brings people into this kind of hyped up, yeah, mass hypnosis. That would that that is what and that from that moment, that's when I all unraveled and I was like, hang on, there's an explanation for some of this stuff that I was calling God. And I suppose you spoke in tongues quite freely and happily then? Yeah, loved it. Yeah, we used to rap in tongues in the second. Oh my God! <laughs> really? G- yeah. Give us some. Come on. Shumanamana, 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 ne. I wonder if you're speaking like. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I mean, I could do the speaking in tongues. I was never ever able to be properly swayed in the spirit. My psychologist also said to me, "You, there's five percent of the world 
that are highly susceptible to hypnosis and for about 5% of the world that just can't be for whatever reason, just can't be. And uh, she said, I'm one of the 5% that are highly susceptible because she said okay. as, soon as, as soon as she so, went, you're a pebble in a pond, I was like, oh. <laughs> well, I mean, even if you could get 5% of the world's population to go to your church then. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Yeah. And then I'm sure there's the next 10 and, and yeah, 20% yeah, right. after that. There's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that that's, was a huge insight for really me. interesting. I just started reading things like Richard Dawkins and you know, Christopher Hitchens and some of the atheist material as well. So I was kind of opening my mind up. I was meeting lots of interesting people too. Like I just was making lots and lots of friends and traveling more and my world opened up and I was really excited, to be honest, and actually getting some sex. So that was good too. <laughs> it is such a... Such a strange <laughs> environment for all of that. And, and you know, you, you're supposed to assume that these married pastors are having these, yeah, in, well, you know, the pastors. Either way, people are, you know, sexually controlled and repressed and it leaks out in weird, weird ways. I, I look at what's going on with some of the scandals at Hillsong and I just go, of course they're going on. People are, you know, not able to have sex until they get married. Like, what's the, what's that going to do? And the whole purity movement that came through Pentecostal Church in the 90s, the damage that's done. You know, books like books like I Kissed Dating Goodbye, you know, those books were oh. selling in like the millions. And the guy that wrote that book's actually stood up now and said, I'm really sorry, but I re- regret everything I said in that book. So, and yet millions and millions. I think it's also, if you can control someone's sexuality... You can control the whole person in a lot of ways. And a lot of things that people that are dear to them as well. Mm. So longer term, what do you think the costs have been of of being involved but also of leaving? You know, look, if I could time travel and go back to my teenage years, I would take a different path. There's no doubt about that. I guess I'm thankful for the experience in some ways that in that I've had to question myself at such a deeper level than I would have mm. had I not gone through that. I mean, to be in my late 20s and actually have to put everything out there and question what my beliefs actually are, my values actually are, and sift through it all mm. is, is an experience that not everyone gets. Yeah, Most people just go on autopilot, to. you know. Yeah, don't have to kind of challenge those things so so directly and such deep things, you know, where you're going to spend eternity is not something that's on most 28-year-olds' minds. No, and look, I've met some incredible people on the journey that, you know, I dearly love. And I guess I wouldn't be where I am now had I not gone through them. So philosophically, that's where I'm at with that. But it certainly, you know, damaged me in a lot of ways. Like it took a long time to heal from the damage and the bullying and the control you know, and that, how did, that I mean, how did you heal from that? Well, for me, I think making health, making some healthy friendships, that yeah. for me was the biggest source of healing, was just having really good people around me that took me in and just loved me the way that I am. So I think connecting with a healthy community, developing healthy relationships is probably one of the biggest keys. I think financially, I'm not in life where I could have been had I not been giving my money, having my money bled dry for you know, right up until then, yeah. I would have liked to have bought a property years. in those years well, instead of putting the value of a house deposit into a church. Yeah, so there's damage on on that sort of level. I think the damage done to me with my ability to have a you know a partner and relationships that that took a long time to heal 
Due develop. to their homophobia or Yeah, just... like I had to, you know, just having to come to terms with who I am, that took a long time. Like, you know, Which... I think there's lots lost years. Uh, I think, you know, it has been it has been a lot of water under the bridge now, but I get I'm very concerned with the, you know, Pentecostal people trying to take over parliament and take over areas of our society and control it and that triggers me into a lot of anger because <laughs> yep. I, I know what their agenda is and I know the damage that can be done when that's the case and I, I do hope that people open their eyes and see that you know a, a Pentecostal agenda in our society is not what we want. And that's I think a bit about what uh, led you to start that petition isn't it? What something that really made you stand up and shout I was, um, I, I had a bit of a, uh, a night. I remember I was, you know, not able to sleep. And so, I don't know, midnight, one o'clock, I thought, I'll, I know what I'll do. I'll check Twitter and <laughs> that'll definitely help me sleep. And, <laughs> and I just saw all these people were posting about this um, Hillsong have announced a national school tour. And I was really, you know, really angry. And of course, got no sleep that night in the middle of the night like three or four o'clock in the morning I literally set up this petition and I thought I'll aim to get about 2,000 3,000 signatures and then I'll get it to the education ministers yeah and put it out in the morning and I contacted all of the people on Twitter that had posted about it (laughs) so I I was like please sign this petition and then some high profile people I messaged them you know that were quite political about these things and then they shared it and Overnight, it got to like 2,000 signatures in that day. Yeah, not, I remember not, it really, really growing and growing. What is it about that issue in particular, though, that makes you, I mean, out of all these things that Hillsong do with their, you know, buildings in theatres yeah. in Melbourne that they want to destroy? Um, yeah, yeah, that got me out of know, look at, But this, look I think, that for people. So, what, why think, don't you want them going near your children? unsupervised well I've, I do at the time my son would have been two yeah and you know he's got two mums so I've got a four-year-old son with my partner Renee and yeah we're obviously a rainbow family having to listen to people saying we're this you know he's the stolen generation and that kind of thing mm. so I feel very protective of what's out there now I live in Fitzroy in Melbourne so it's I don't have to worry in this community but the thought of him going to school and being recruited by these groups scares me and not only that if they're going into schools and one of his best friends gets involved in this group then he's going to want to get involved in that group too so I want to know that I'm going to sending him to a secular school where he's free from that I don't want him growing up like I've grown up but you know for the for the people who say well you know every church has got its problems and all the other churches are allowed into to schools to teach scripture what's what's your particular gripe with this gang to be honest with you that's where they will have their inverted commas success is with young vulnerable kids and I, I I don't think it's right to recruit kids outside of what their parents want sure so to me it's a very big violation and I I, I, I don't know why that, that issue just really struck me the most out of a lot of things they do, but even the arrogance to think that they've got a right to just go around and do that. And, you know, again, we've got a government that funds religious chaplains and not secular chaplains. And these chaplains aren't allowed to prophesize, but they're getting groups like Hillsong in to schools uh-huh. in the back okay. door. So, you know. And that is just, a big 
the government corruption around that too. Yeah. Without, I mean, I, I I don't know enough about how strong the evangelical side of the other denominations is, but we don't really see Anglicans harassing people in the street or Catholics dragging people along to yeah, mass. Not, not in the same way and not with the same resource behind them. Yeah, they just seem to breed and grow. <laughs> yeah. But they'll put they're putting their marketing dollars and controlling TV and all sorts of things. So, you know, there's not a lot we can do about that, but this is one area that they're just they're just crossing a line in my in my book. I mean, they are in a lot of ways. <laughs> but that's in the materials that you had it was uh, all about, you know, the lost and that those kids looking for hope and you can just imagine how quickly those kids will be in Bible college in a couple of years' time. What were some of the things you think, Fiona, what were some of the positive takeaways or you know, skills that you learnt while you were yeah, part look, of I, the big church? I mean, I learnt, you know, some leadership skills and event management skills. Yeah. I mean, even to run a team of 30 or 40 people when I was in my early 20s. I mean, yeah, yeah. Run, and run a youth group, you know, there was just resources and I was, you know, like I was reading leadership books like nothing else just to survive basically. Uh, and now I run my own business. So I run the Fitzroy Market down here in Melbourne and I run a training business. You know, all of those things I learned in church is why I can do those things, I think. Otherwise, mm. I, wouldn't have, I just wouldn't have been exposed to that. So also, you know, mentoring people, even though the mentoring yeah. we were doing was very controlling. And, you know, I've, I've had to go and apologize to people for stuff that I did when I was in the group mm. too, because I was part of the machine. Uh, and how but, did that go? Did people respond uh, to that? So for some people, it was really healing. Like I, I you know, I caught up with people as soon as I left, basically, and just said, "I'm so sorry." Yeah, because I'd told people to break That's up great. with people, and and yeah. I just said, "I'm so sorry." I, you know, and they just really appreciated someone acknowledging that it was so. <laughs> excuse the French. Well, I mean, that's it's part of the whole thing, isn't it? It's uh, people being exploited, but then learning how to exploit and. Mm. Often if you are very young and that's your first, obviously your first management role, your first, mm. you know, major role or even work role, um, role of responsibility, and that's the only way you've been taught. I think also it's taught me to sniff out control and manipulation pretty quickly. Like I can I can see it a mile off now, whereas, you know, obviously when I was younger I couldn't. It's also taught me that how resilient I am. So, you know, I, I think whenever anyone's gone through a tough situation and come out the other side, one thing you can always do is look back and go, hey, yeah. I, I made it through. And that builds your confidence that you can be more resilient going forward. So there's always good things that come out of it. As I said, if I could time travel, I wouldn't take the same journey. But you know, none of us, none of none us, of would, us would do that, really. Which I think is quite funny when you, when you're young, you say, "No, I've got no regrets. I've got no." Well, it's only until you're older that you've got the regrets. You yeah. don't have them till, <laughs> right. till Just later on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's been fantastic. Thank you. There's so much has come out of that. As we wind up, uh, what would you say, I guess, to anybody who's thinking about maybe leaving the church that they're in but they're not sure and what kind of advice would you throw at, at someone who's you know just not so sure about where they are well one thing I'd do one thing I'd say is just be aware for red flags if you're having a leader that's trying to or, or is in control of everyone or being very authoritarian that's not actually healthy 
if people are, how are people treated when they leave a group? Are people being ostracized and cut yep. off when they leave a group? What sort of comes out with money is, is look at the financial situation. Mm. Are the leaders making lots of money, but everyone else isn't? Have a look at what's going on there. And if you are wanting to leave and you're thinking, I, I need to leave this group, but you can't see an exit point, there are plenty of places that you can get help with that. But also just look for one or two friends that you've got outside the group that can help you and give you the strength and support you through it because that that will make a world of difference. Makes all the difference, yeah. Yeah. People have very, very strong community ties in Mm. their church community and it's really hard to walk away from all of that. Yeah, and look, there's, you know, the the sense of family and friendship that comes out, it it is very strong. And, in fact, now that I have a child, I'm like, geez, it would be good to have a a group of people that you just see regularly two or three times a week and play tempting to get involved, but there's often a a high price tag for that. Yeah, always question, never stop questioning. Mm. Thank you so much, Fiona. We'll uh, be talking soon then. Thanks, Tanya. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.